0: A quick heads up, this episode was broadcasted live on our YouTube channel and the conversation references a lot of visual elements that were being shared on screen. If you find yourself lost or confused at any point, head on over to this episode on the Trade Risks YouTube channel to see the charts and tables we mention. Welcome, everyone, to a special live edition of the Smarter Trading Podcast, where myself and our awesome guests today are going to be chatting all about the current market environment, where we see opportunities, and where there might be risks. We're doing this live, so we want to hear from you over the next hour. Drop us your thoughts and questions in the chat box throughout the show. And now for a couple of short announcements before we get started. Evan Medeiros is the founder and CEO of The Trade Risk. All opinions expressed by guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Evan or The Trade Risk. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Evan and guests may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. This episode of Smarter Trading is sponsored by Investor's Business Daily. IBD has been around for over 35 years, helping investors navigate each and every market cycle. If you want the best analysis and actionable trade ideas from the leader in growth investing, check out IBD Digital. Go to investors.com Evan, that's E-V-A-N, to get your first two months for only $20. Subscribe today and start trading smarter at investors.com Evan. Thank you, IBD, for supporting financial education and making this episode possible. Now, let's get on with the show. All right, we are live. Hello, everyone. Hello, Mr. Brian Lund.
1: Should have worn my IBD shirt. I've got like three of them.
0: (laughs) We could have matched, right? We've already got... So me and Brian discovered before this that we're both rocking the uh, Ember mug here, keeping our our beverage. I guess we're expecting a long conversation because... I think this keeps coffee hot for like that's, ninety minutes. That's the next
1: sponsor right there, Ember Mugs. First, for... <laughs> I I reached out to them.
0: Actually. I bet you did.
1: Fun fact: I bet they, you did.
0: they had a listing and they were like, um, you know, we're interested in in sponsoring podcasts. And I reached out, said, "Hey, look, I'm a fan. I own your product," and they just totally ghosted me. So ne- never funny. heard anything. Um, but that's okay. Uh, We've got a good sponsor here. We've got a good show lined up. And uh, for those of you who may not know uh, Brian Lund, uh, he was with us on, I think it was episode seven back in June, uh, summertime of 2021. And Brian has been uh, investing for what, 35 years. He's worked all around industry. I don't think uh, he's too hard to find. He's got the Lund Loop, which goes out weekly. So, um, we'll talk a little bit about that. we'll talk about his background, and I thought a fun place to start would just be the madness that is markets this year um you've been around for thirty plus years you've seen it all is this one is this one scary? does it get easier what are these what do these pullbacks feel like for you now or corrections?
1: Oh so many questions uh <laughs> You know, it's hard. It's hard to put it in context because, uh, you know, like the the last market. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of a parallel between some parts of the, uh, the financial crisis, but really the last market that was this crazy was probably the dot com uh, yeah. implosion. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, what was I? I, I mean, that was '99, so I was like th- 30, something like like I was a different person, right? Sure, so sure. it's like tr- it's like trying to remember. You know, it's like it's like if you have a, a grandparent or someone that passed away, trying to think of how you related to them when you were a kid sure. right, and how you would now. Yeah. So um, I can definitely say that with crypto, it's crypto's crazier than the, ni- the 90s. I, You know, I was saying this about maybe a year and a half ago and I got some OGs that were there with me that said, no, no, it's not there yet. It's not here- there yet. But uh, I thought it wasn't. I think it definitely is now. I mean, crypto is just, you know, it's silly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's crazy. I mean, the volatility over there. I mean, I, I guess I don't know that the market size may not be as big, I guess would be the only thing. Like, I don't know if there's as many participants in crypto now than there was in the but, but, but still, I mean, it's just gut wrenching volatility and movement and 24 seven, you never sleep. I mean, you can't sleep.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if on a nominal basis, money wise there is, but in terms of our consciousness, it's way more mm-hmm. uh, present in our lives because, right? I mean, in 1999, you didn't have, you had no social media, really. Um, yeah. You you didn't have. I mean, it's always. I have to think like, what did we have back then? Like, like <laughs> right, we didn't right. have, we didn't have iPhones in our pockets. Um, we didn't have. We had, you know, technically there was CNN, but you didn't have everything on a loop. So we've got this, you know, this feedback loop that that makes um, crypto and also what's going on in the market just so much more of our lives than it was back then. Uh, sure. Definitely,
0: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> I do want to spend uh, most of this time. And so everyone, I invite questions or markets you want us to look at today. I do want to make this actionable and timely uh, with what's been going on here. So um, maybe we just start with kind of the broad markets. Uh, We're getting a nice rebound today, yesterday and today. But we're still, you know, we've gotten hammered here throughout the first month of the year. So I guess, let's see. Do you want to pull up a chart, Brian, or you want me to share a chart? What's more comfortable for you? Uh,
1: I can pull up a chart. Let's see here.
0: Yeah, maybe talk us through, um, maybe just, you know, Friday we got that reversal. Today we're getting, I don't know, I guess a follow-through day if we want to um, give it that label. Like what... Are you excited yet? Is this a start? Like, what are we looking for here as you kind of stare at? This? Well,
1: I, look, I think the first takeaway is that the market likes Brian and Evan, right? <laughs> they, they like us they knew when we're going. together because because the market's rallying, right? I mean, that Pump has to up. be what it is. That's right. But uh, look, I, I don't I don't think there's any mystery to what's going on in the market right now. I mean, we all saw this massive reversal day, right? And I mean, at the, you know, at this point, at this point, you know, when we were down here that day. It looked like the end right it looked yeah. like we were just going to be because there's a lot of room down here right sure. there's not you know yeah. look how far back we go to get to some serious you know support so mm-hmm. when we had that reversal it it felt great uh and we had record volume i think i think on a dollar basis the the qqqs were like the, the biggest day ever we had arc that had record uh volume And it looked great, but I said on my my review video that day, I said it almost looks too good, like it's almost Mm -hmm. too cliche. Right. Mm -hmm. This is like it was the exact type of action you would see if you were going through a Edwards and McGee book, you know, a technical analysis book from the old days. Right. So I thought, well, okay, maybe we're going to, you know, maybe we'd gap up um, the, the next day and. Then we had this problematic area here. You know, we kept trying to get back above. We, we first of all, we couldn't even get back above, I got my wrong, got my wrong, uh, moving averages. First of all, we couldn't even get back above the um, eight day moving average, right? We yeah. kept getting rejected. Um, we couldn't get back above the 200. We tried to go above, fail, above, fail, right? And I said, look, we need to get above this day, which is Wednesday's high. If we can get above Wednesday's high, then maybe we can start, uh, you know, get some traction start moving higher we got that you know once again it looked a little dicey here on friday you know Mm -hmm. um and then we had that late day rally and everything started to lift and what you noticed is that even the junkie stocks right all the growth stocks that have been doing these false starts for the last couple weeks they all started to lift so that was great and then today we have the follow-through so um you know it looks you know knock on wood looks like we're going to close above last week's high which is great Um, You know, the next level we have to worry about is here, which is like, you know, basically 4500 give or take, right? And so the question is, do we run up here and we kind of pause, we like maybe run into some resistance at the 50-day and then roll over and Mm -hmm. go back down? Or do we come up here and maybe go sideways for a little bit, you know, uh, know, digest the move and then try to move back to to all-time highs? And I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what we do. I mean the cues are a lot weaker than the SPX. I mean, they're still below the 200 day moving average. Um, And then this is, you know, of course this is the big one everyone worries about is IWM. You know, Um, we had this big base, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you feel the same way about bases as I do. Bases are great. You know, the bigger the base, the bigger the break, Mm -hmm. but then we had this false breakout, you know, and often when we get a false breakout, we get pretty substantial moves in the opposite direction, which is exactly what happened. You know, look like we were going to hold here and then we broke through here. So we're we're still, you know, we're below all the move. Well, we're just coming above the eight day if we close here, but we're we're above below all the major moving averages. We're still below this big base, which is going to be resistance. Mm-hmm. And this is the broader market here. I mean, this is what is going to sustain uh, the market is if, if IWM goes higher. And that's the big question mark.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the same page as you with everything that you just sort of laid out. I mean, I thought sentiment is tricky to nail down and it's so just, it, it's so microscopic with, with the way I'm sort of looking at it. But when I look at sentiment across just Twitter and social uh, the past like week or so, it has been really tough to find anyone that's excited about the market though. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, who's, Maybe it's the technicians. Maybe it's a, again, it's a biased sample of, of traders that maybe I follow and listen to, but like everybody hates the market coming into this week. I mean, they probably still hate the market for the most part. And I feel like this kind of now, now you know, this 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 little move up we're seeing maybe speaks to that, right? Of how offsides things have gotten. I don't know if you feel the same way in terms of sentiment or how you can
1: measure the yeah. sources, Yeah. Right? Well, we you know sentiment such a dicey proposition because yes. so much of it. I mean, I guess you can technically measure it, but a lot of it's just kind of gut feel. Um, yeah, like I, I tell this story all the time: is back in the day before social media and everything, the way that you gauge sentiment for the market was uh, you'd go to your local bookstore, right? You go to Barnes and Noble, right? And when mm-hmm. when the market was super frothy and everybody was into it and everyone was making money, the the there would be like a huge section of investing. In trading books right yeah and then after the market would like if you went to a barnes and noble in like 2000 the end of 2000 2001 like they'd shrunk it down to this big right there's like four <laughs> books right and yeah. then of course you, you have the magazine cover uh phenomenon which we all know and then the other one that you'd get is um if you ever start seeing those uh gorilla trades ads right that uh, oh,
0: yeah. that
1: used to come on tv late at night whenever you start seeing those around you knew that there was a, a market top coming so that's how sentiment works. It's kind of a, you know, fun thing to look at, but I I do think there's been a lot of hate on the arc fund in the last two weeks. A lot, a lot of Kathy Wood hate, and I don't know, you know, once again, it may just be too cliche, but after that stunt that Kramer did uh, last week where he, I guess he, he dumped Cuddy Sark over all the individual names in Mm. the arc fund on his thing. Like, I, I mean, we all know he's a clown, but he also is, he's got his finger on the pulse of, um, you know, what investors think. So maybe that's a, a contrary indicator, you know, maybe him finally dumping on ARC now that's down 60% means we have a short-term bottom uh, in place, possibly. And, and you marry that narrative with the technicals, that's where it becomes right. important, right? You, you can't just put the narrative by itself, that's nothing. But if that is, you know, if that coincides with what the technicals are telling you, then it is a little bit more powerful.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I think that's a smart way to to sort of think about it. I mean, the chart that I was sort of sharing, let me pull up my screen here uh, over this past week was really just kind of looking at even now we're going to get technical pretty quick, but the the jargony sort of uh, Bollinger Band look here on like the weekly time frame. So let's just kind of throw this throw this screen share up here and get you going. So here's the NASDAQ 100 and you can really sort of just pick any of the markets, but this was the weekly kind of standard two and 20 Bollinger band, which is, you know, getting pretty nerdy, but basically, you know, it's just looking at the average kind of movement that you might expect. And the majority of movement, you know, markets like to spend inside of these neat little orderly bands here, and and kind of what Brian is saying is we've got essentially like sentiment that was getting extremely kind of bearish, breakdown, negative, as we had already been down, you know, fifteen percent, and we're trading below this little lower sort of Bollinger band. And you can just pick your market uh, if you go to the S and P 500, we pierced below it. And we got the heaviest volume reversals that we've seen. So, um, so yeah, I think it all sort of makes sense. I think we're set up for at least a little bit of a bounce here, but I'm not going to call the bottom. I don't know. You know, we could easily leg down in the middle of February, right? Like, um, who knows? But uh, it's certainly been a dicey. And, and like you say, Brian, the arc, you know, if we look at arc or, um, you know, any of these individual stocks, I mean, Square and, I mean, right down the list. I mean, Zoom. Any of these prior names have just gotten totally, totally obliterated here. So, um, so yeah, that's been the uh, the sort of fun landscape that we've been in. Are you are you having fun trading the future side of things? Is that I know you're a futures trader and you like that intraday stuff. So, has that been a a, a trade for you this year?
1: Uh, so that's, it's really interesting. You say that cause I, I mentioned something about this in uh, last week's Lund loop. So if I look at the spectrum of trading that you can do a uh, trade into investing, you know, you, you've obviously got passive investing, uh, yes. then you've got buy and hold, then position trading, swing trading, um, what I call overnight trading, like where you're setting up a trade that you're going to hold overnight, but not, more than that so that's a little bit less than swing trading day trading and then scalping right and it obviously comes on a spectrum from you know the 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 least amount of work to the most amount of work which is scalping and you know i'm a i would say i'm a b minus scalper I, I i'm pretty much profitable but um it takes a lot of work right i mean mm-hmm. in my best incarnation i'm maybe an a minus uh, scalper but i don't like scalping and mm-hmm. uh i found myself last week doing a lot of it um coming out of the fed uh yeah i was scalping at night i was scalping overnight wednesday which i almost never do and it was crazy like at night the nq was going 20 points at a clip overnight which it (laughs) never does right yeah and i came out of last week with a a really important realization i think part of being a a successful trader is always kind of checking in with yourself on a regular basis and and reevaluating like it was a really bad week for me last week, stress-wise, right? Like, like I was, yes, I was scalping. Yes, I did. Okay. But like the trade-off was just not worth it. And, you know, scalping's the stupidest way and the hardest way to make money in my opinion. <laughs> Day trading somewhat easier, swing trading much easier, right? Yeah. And position trading the, the easiest. And if I had my choice uh, at my age, I would rather be position trading slash swing trading, but, markets don't always you know th- we have to be in the right market for that so the yeah. long answer to your question is I have been be I have been more active the the last couple of weeks and last couple of months but um honestly it has not been a pleasant experience and mm. uh, so I had to kind of check in with myself and say do I really want to be doing that you know like is it worth the money to to have that stress level you know
0: yeah totally yeah i think it, I, I i love that approach and i don't know that we talk enough about that or you know and, I, and this is obviously a personal personal choice personal uh decision but this ties back to you know we started talking about crypto earlier this was one of the realizations i very quickly came to with crypto trading is that yes there's a tremendous amount of volatility and opportunity on a day-to-day basis but let's face the facts here you know, we've got these nascent exchanges that are not as good and as powerful as traditional markets, right? There's no IBKR. I mean, yeah, we've got Coinbase, but like still that thing goes out every time you actually need to trade and you can't put sophisticated order types in there. Like it's a headache, right? And then it trades 24 seven. And then, you know, you add on all these risks, then you're worried about your money or a hack or whatever. Um, it, you know i that was the that was the the equation i was looking at was like okay yeah i could probably make some good money in this volatile new asset class if you want to call it an asset class but is it worth it is it worth staying up being worried stressing all the time the answer i basically came to was no and i try and just do less there and do a long term trend following approach for like crypto things but um i think your point's spot on and i appreciate the the candidness of 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 the toll and tax
1: taxing nature that markets can take on us um yeah you know i think um on your point about crypto is i i was a skeptic of crypto early on uh then i said hey i'm a trader i can i can trade it i got into it really big um and then i in november last november i said you know what i need to get out of this and re because i had gotten really big really quick and. I wasn't feeling comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. And I told all my subscribers, I said, I'm I'm getting out of everything I have in crypto. And I I was kind of reexamining why it was I felt uncomfortable because, you know, like everyone says, well, if you can chart it, um, technicals are technicals. Right. Yeah. But like you said, I don't I don't trust the infrastructure of these uh, cryptocurrency exchanges. And I use that term very loosely. Uh, Last week, Interactive Brokers went out. It just went out like I had a position in Interactive Brokers. I had a stop in, it hit my stop. It didn't sell. I flipped it to a market. It kept giving me an error. All of a sudden across Fintwit, people were saying, what's going on with I, IB? Uh, there was a problem with their algorithm. It was the exchange, I think, right? But there was a problem. You couldn't sell for about an hour and a half. You could not sell. Now, fortunately, at the time, it was a small position and the market wasn't moving fast. But If interactive brokers, which is one of the most rock solid brokers out there, which is battle tested over 30, 40 years with trillions of of dollars worth of transactions, if it can still have problems, how are these new exchanges that are, first of all, they're decent, you know, they're decentralized by design, but, and people think that that's a a benefit. It it can be, but it can also be a massive flaw. And so how are these going to handle it when everybody goes for the door, and by the way, everyone will go to the door at the r- at the same time, yeah. and that's exactly when you need the systems to hold up, and that's exactly when they'll fail. So, like, I don't have a problem looking at a, a chart of you know Cardano or or Helium or whatever, and saying that my problem is I feel like if it goes south, it's going to go south like that. Right. And and people think, well, I put a stop in, so I'm safe. No, no, your stop yeah. can get jumped right over. It cannot execute. And, you know, good luck trying to get on the phone with Coinbase or, or uh, Binance or anybody to say, hey, my uh, you know, my Wax P position is, you know, <laughs> you know, so. And right. by the way, and I, and I think this is an important point, too. I'm not a skeptic about uh, blockchain or about the um, utility of, uh, you know, the the underpinnings of, of cryptocurrency. I'm just a skeptic of all the speculation like I'm sure they will blockchain technology will be fantastic it will change the way we live it will be here for years and years and years. I don't think that necessarily amp coin is going to be here in yes. years or or Waxby or whatever these other ones are and I think that's the problem people people have a problem with differentiating between what's the speculative part of crypto and then what's the real utilitarian part of crypto that will maybe last uh, you know beyond the next couple years
0: yeah uh, it's uh, yeah I, I totally echo all of all of your thoughts. I mean it's yeah it is exactly the way I think about it and I am I am waiting for the day that we have just a tightly coupled infrastructure where like maybe it's IBKR they're slowly getting into you know offering crypto but it's still kind of a pain like I would love an easy way to move funds between my traditional stocks to you know, a Bitcoin account that I could trade with futures and to be able to hedge things like just to do it in a professional way, um, is what I'm like, I'm dying for someone to sort of solve that. So I could actually, uh, yeah, so I could actually just go about it, but I hate the, you know, these wire transfers to these other exchanges and these other exchanges are, you know, may or may not be licensed and all this stuff. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a risk management uh, problem. I think everybody needs to think about. So, um, and like I said, it will all go
1: like everything will work until it doesn't work, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, people go, "Well, like, everything's fine with crypto right now." Well, the system really hasn't been stressed yet, but when it does, you know, and then we're all going to look back and it's going to be so obvious, right? Yes. We're going to be like, "How did Dogecoin? How did we even think that was something, <laughs> right? Or or whatever it is, right?" Right, right. Fifty billion market cap. Um, and and it's not like this hasn't happened before, like. You know, when when we had the fi- go before the financial crisis, I would go to parties and people would talk about how they own two, three, four houses, right? They were flipping houses, and everybody had all of these reasons why it will continue, right? Why the housing market would continue to go up, and Wall Street would tell you why it's going to work and why all the financing and the the no, uh, you know, no credential loans and no doc loans, why all that made sense, right? And then when it all fell down, and you see these poor post- postmortems. Um, it was so obvious that even the people that were part of that process knew at the time, they're like, oh yeah, we knew there were problems, but (laughs) there was just money to be made. I think that's what's going to happen with crypto is when we finally do get that flush out, we're going to find out that like, oh no, they knew, you know, the people that were at this exchange or doing this or had this, they knew that it wasn't sustainable. They were just trying to make money while it, while they could, and we'll just go, oh, that made perfect sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I,
0: yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Let's, let's get the money while we can. I mean, that makes a lot of sense
1: and incentives drive sort of a lot of what we're seeing here. So um, i think thinking about, we do the same thing. Like I don't know what 90% of these coins do, but I still want to try to make money off them. Sure. Right. So we're kind sure. of doing the same thing on a, a smaller basis.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've got, um, I've got a couple of specific charts or actually, you know, I wanted you, so I, 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 I see you seem to keep a pretty tight pulse on, on maybe the pot stocks, cannabis, marijuana, <laughs> any, what, are, what are you seeing there besides oh boy. being a customer or, you know, anything like
1: that? Uh, I don't know if you want to share charts, but, um, let me just slide over there. Uh, the only reason I have a, a pulse on that is because, uh, I think most of pot investors are delusional um, and have been delusional. Like when your investment thesis is just you wait, right? That's a bad investment thesis. And uh, I mean, you can look at, I mean, let's, here, let me flip around there and see what I can, what train wrecks we can take a look at. Uh, Yeah. it's It's been a train
0: wreck. I mean, I have seen, um, I, I, I'm not a fundamental, uh, as as my audience knows. I, I don't really do strong fundamentals or anything like that. But I did see some smart people I respect starting to actually look at some of these stocks now as as like value plays, or, or they've gotten cheap enough at these levels, and so that's kind of interesting to me. What are your, you know, what are your thoughts on on this whole trend? So here's my initial thought right
1: here. Right, that's all you mm-hmm. need to look at is yeah, you know, this is the this is the U.S. Pot ETF, which is that isn't a downtrend. right now we just hit some support here and we got a nice green day here but i have not seen anything in this yet to show me that we are going to change this right not even the like forget the long-term downtrend or the intermediate term downtrend how about the short-term downtrend right (laughs) right uh and if you look at canadian pot stocks you know same sort of thing and of course you can go look at you know i mean you can look at Tilray. You can look at, you know, Tilray, the stock that was once three hundred dollars and is now five bucks, right? Um, so here's my thought process in pot. Uh, from a technical standpoint, it's a no-brainer, right? There's just nothing there yet. I mean, if you have a long-term outlook and you want to start getting great, but right now it's still guilty until proven innocent. Um, Everybody will tell you that, you know, the, the story used to be like, well, once New York gets legalized, once California gets legalized, once all the, you know, and nothing happened, right? And you can go out to the streams and see all these fundamental reasons why things are going to change. And it's been that way for two years and people just lost tons of money. Uh, and more importantly, the the opportunity costs for being in pot have been way too high. Um, so that being said, you know, is 2022 the year that we Turn around, I don't know. I mean, but this the technicals will tell us. That's the thing, yeah. you know. Um, I, I think if I put on my fundamental hat, uh, I think the problem with with the space is, well, I mean, about four or five years ago, I talked to a really smart guy in the space. Um, and he I said, Are you buying any pot stocks? And he said, No. And I said, Why not? And he said, I've looked at all their cap tables and they're just train wrecks. So the cap table mm-hmm. meaning they're so dilutive. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's what people don't understand is like there can be a great uh, fundamental outlook. But if the if the financial structure of a yeah. uh, of a company is bad, it's not going to matter. And by the way, you can also have a great company like people love Peloton. Peloton's a great exercise bicycle. Right. It's just a right. terrible stock. Yeah. So he told me a long time ago that the the cap tables are bad. I think the other problem is you, you went from an industry that was on the periphery. Right. It was technically illegal at some point. And then it all of a sudden became legalized, but you had the same management and the same executives coming into the legal space. And not that they were, they were bad or dicey, and some were, but it's a whole different ball game to operate in a non-legal, non-licensed environment. And then to figure out how to adapt in a licensed legalized environment. Mm. And I think a lot of uh, management couldn't make the transition. They they Mm. kind of played fast and loose. I mean, we saw that with some of the Canadian stocks that ended up getting delisted because of violations. Um, And then of course the overarching thing uh, that I'm sure all the pot bulls are yelling at me right now is, is the safe banking act, right? Is that, you know, you can't, we're not federally legal. um, So you get these uh, pot dispensaries that literally have mounds of cash that they can't, you know, access the banking system with. Um, And then you have institutional um, investors that can't, you know, by their charter or whatever reasons they can't invest. So, I get all of that, and I I do understand that those things change. Um, that the tenor and the tone of those stocks can change, but when will that happen? I don't right. know. You know, the the big thing was, yeah, not to get political, but everyone thought like, oh, it's going to be really bad under Trump because he's a Republican and he's going to be very anti pot. Well, he actually was not very anti pot, and they thought, well, Biden's going to come in and then pots you're going to legalize everything and Schumer and Biden—they haven't done anything, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so, and there's bigger fish to fry uh, mm. in Congress right now. So, uh, there's just a lot of headwinds there. But like I tell people, you'll just wait for the technicals. Just wait yeah. for the technicals to show you. Like if if pot if this is the year of pot, 2022 is a year of pot. You're going to have so many opportunities to get involved yeah. um, strategically where you can where you can manage your risk and not just go in blindly and say, oh. You know, because I know there were people that came into, uh, you know, if you look at, uh, if you look at uh, MSOS, I, I know there were people here that were like, oh, I just wait, you know, oh, mm-hmm. here, just wait. Oh, here, mm-hmm. just wait. And, you know, yeah, it's just it's not a good, good way to approach it. Yeah,
0: no, I um Yeah, I I, you know it's it's on my watch list those ETFs, um, and I just I'm waiting for some signs of life. I took I think one trade in it last year, and yeah, on one of those reversal attempts, I kind of jumped in there to see if I could um, you know find some type of reversal, and I just quickly got stopped out, and and I haven't looked back since. But um, I am starting, like I say, I've got a couple of people I sort of respect that are starting to to dip their foot in, but again, technicals haven't shown it. So we'll see. Um,
1: well, and I think the other thing is, is, is that, um, you know, my, uh, you know, JC, right? JC yep. Peretz, right? So he said something the other day that really uh, hit home. He said 99% of all fin twit uh, arguments could end if people would just agree they have different timeframes. Oh, 100%. And those people that are dipping their toes in—I know people that are as well, really smart people that that haven't been interested in pot at all—and in the last three to six months are like, I'm starting to get in. But if their time frame is five years, all right? right yeah. Then th- you know that's different than a trader who's looking for a two to three day pop. And that's right. it's fine—it's fine to do do both. Like I don't care, be long term, be short. You can, by the way, you can be long term and short term at the same time, right? You can be building a long term position and trading, uh, but just know what your your time frame is, and that probably helps with 99% of the problems right there.
0: Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, if someone has a five-year time horizon, they could be a year early. They could be a year and a half early. It's fine for them, but it's going to be awfully painful for you if your time frame is two months
1: or a month or a week. Um, yeah, and, the, and it's really painful for the person with a five-year time frame if they really don't have a time a five-year time oh, yeah. frame. Like in their mind, they convince it like, oh, oh I, yeah. I've got five years to wait, but then the stock drops 30% and they're like, yeah. huh, you know, they're freaking out.
0: Oh yeah. 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 I have definitely been in that camp. Yeah. I can wait three years on this stock. And then a
1: month later, I'm like, Jesus, this is horrible. Well, Um, I think a lot of people have been in that, that camp on the growth stocks because I mean, when you, when Peloton, you know, is down 20 or 30% and you know, people are like, Oh, it's got, it's, it's easily going to rot, you know, and then it's down 40%. And, you know, and then, I mean, that's just been brutal. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's been a pain trade for sure. So I do want to talk about that. So we're going to take a quick break right now. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor. Leave uh, a, a comment or a ticker that you guys want us to look at. We're going to look at some growth stocks in a minute. And then uh, I've got another chart I want us to look at. So we'll be back in just a moment. Those of you who know trade risk know we are all about rules-based investing. And that's why we are so excited to have Investors Business Daily as a podcast sponsor. It's almost impossible to avoid boom and bust trading cycles unless you've got a system that works and you're able to stick with it. That's where IBD comes in. They've been helping investors navigate market cycles with their time tested methodology for over 35 years, which is why you need to check out IBD Digital, their subscription service that gives you access to proprietary market analysis and top trade ideas. Start with the big picture to get a pulse on the market environment, then browse their exclusive stock lists like the IBD 50. Finally, use their stock checkup tool to find out more about a company. All of this is available to IBD digital subscribers. And right now, podcast listeners can get their first two months for only $20. Go to investors.com slash Evan. That's investors.com slash E-V-A-N to get started for only $20. Now, back to the show. All right. So I wanted to ask your opinion on these these types of defensive... Well, energy is not defensive, but energy is certainly working right now. And it has been working. And I also have up here, so I got Energy XLE, the spider ETF in the top left. I got utilities in the top right. I got staples in the bottom left. And then we just got the old S&P in the bottom right. But my question to you is, Are you, do you try and look for any of this rotation? Do you go to defensive areas of the market when things start to get pretty ugly out there? Or do you just sideline it or short?
1: (laughs) No, those things are, they should be in your long-term portfolio and Mm -hmm. they are in mine, but they're just not, for me, they're not trading vehicles. They're just not. Um, I don't have a feel for uh, those the space. They don't move the same way. So for me, it's just better to step out um, and and wait, right? And then go back to the tried and true stocks. You know, like if they have a counter trend rally or or day trade them. Um, and I, I hear a lot of people talking about like, oh, you just rotate like, but I'm not so sure they're really. I'm people that say that I don't feel like they're really trading. Um, you know, like we are going to go from trading Apple to John Deere. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess, I guess some people can, but I just, it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much with you. I, I've been trying to, I've been trying to find for a while, some type of trading system that rotates to these defense. Like it's so, it it sounds so great in theory. Like it makes intuitive sense. Like, oh yeah. Market goes into correction. Just go buy utilities and staples. But when you start running some of those tests and you start like putting it into action, it's really hard. It's 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 hard to find something that's like that's worth trading, right? Like yeah, maybe you'll beat the S&P 500, maybe you'll do it with lower drawdowns, but like I don't know. It's just it's not giving you that much.
1: Yeah, I mean those are the sectors for big institutional funds that have to be invested, right? Yeah, By their yeah. bylaws, they have to be invested. So they go into those, you know, consumer staples, all the all the safe places. Um but like I said, they're just not trading vehicles uh yeah. at least not for my style
0: yeah so what about on the short side do you like to short individual stocks or do you just like to express uh bearish positions like through futures and
1: indexes so when i'm scalping or short-term trading in the futures i'll go either way i'm yep. totally agnostic i can go short as much as i can go long i mean it's, it's a video game at that point right you're just right. trying to win um <laughs> shorting you know i i did a lot of shorting when i was uh earlier in my career and shorting is a <clears throat> there's a little siren song to to shorting right it lures you in because you can make money really fast because the market drops usually faster than it goes up
0: mm-hmm. but it's
1: a really specific skill and yeah. you know you think like oh short in a bear market but everybody knows that the rips in a in a bear market are just Brutal, right? Some of the biggest up days are in uh, bear markets. So, I'm not a big fan of short. I, I, I should. I said I used to do it more, and I do it less now. And I'd rather wait instead of saying, "Okay, I'm going to short." I'd rather. I, I'd rather wait for the move to happen and then mm. try to do a counter trend rally um, going long. Got it. Got it. And. Yeah. and, and by its nature the you know over time the market has a, a bullish bias an upward bias so you're already starting to fight against that um, with with the futures it's different because futures are just um, there's a lot of noise in futures um, yeah. and so the way I try to scalp uh, or trade futures is I never trade breakouts I always trade extremes right so if uh, if it's whatever the time frame is if it's like really extreme, uh short term extended maybe I'll short it cuz I think it's it's got to come back to the median or vice versa so that I'm just like like I said it's more like a video game there um mm-hmm. whereas with individual stocks or even the indexes there's it, a lot more behind the moves that I just don't want to fight against yeah
0: yeah that makes sense um <clears throat> yeah shorting is is yeah it's it's very difficult I, I mean i do i do do it um but it's you know when i look back at it i mean even I think, I think last year, shorting only cost me money, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. It was pretty much break-even. I think I lost, um, but it was pretty much break-even to slightly negative. Uh, and obviously, it was a rip-roaring year last year. Um, but it's difficult. It's tricky and slightly different rules um, probably to, to do it successfully.
1: Well, also, if you look at some of the moves, like um, let's say you, you, you're looking at a chart and maybe it's taken – three, four weeks to move up to a certain level, but then it moved down in three or four days in a big crash. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's easier to try to find a place to get long in those 20 trading days than it is to try to catch those mm. three. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it just, you know, like some people I know do it really well. They have an instinctive feel for it. Um, I, I used to do it more. Uh, and I also, I also got, um, you know, coming out of the 2009, um, Correction. You know, the market had been so volatile and it was just falling off a cliff. And I, then it started to bounce a little bit. And I thought, okay, this is just a shortable bounce. Right. And I probably yeah. spent six months fighting that mm, as yeah. the market then continued to go up to all time highs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe there's a little bit of a, i guess that's not recency bias, but maybe there's some head handed to you bias there <laughs> that this keeps me away. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like I fought that, mar- like I fought that rebound uh, for way too long. Uh, It was super stressful. And, and that's why when we had this, uh, when we had the crash in uh, from COVID, I actually put out a a, a, a post pretty close to the bottom where I said, okay, bears have stayed at the party too long, Mm -hmm. because when it gets, you know, when you get to the worst part, it feels Mm -hmm. like, like it's never going to end. And that's usually when it does end. And we just watched the market go like this, and I and I watched bears for about a year just get crushed because they kept thinking, "Oh, this is just a bounce." I mean, think about think about the narrative at the bottom of COVID. Like, yeah. we yeah. thought we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, who who would have thought that the, the market was going to go up double basically in 20 yeah. months? I mean, no, that was on nobody's bingo cards. I guarantee nope. you.
0: Nope. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was terrifying. I mean, back in those. <laughs> In in the doldrum there, as we were just cascading lower, I mean there was there was no hope, right? I mean everything was going to get shut down. When would businesses open again? How can people, you know, keep 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 their household afloat? Like I mean it was, it was horrible. There was every reason to just want to um, walk away from the market altogether, and you know, obviously lots of people did, and then lots of people just continued to fight the injection of of you know historic amounts of cash that just came into the system. So here we are. Um, And now, now, yeah, go ahead. And I
1: remember, I remember the exact day that we really hit the bottom. Like the market was imploding. It was about noon. My kids had already been, they said, Hey, we're doing virtual schooling. Um, It was rainy out here in Southern California, which it's never rainy. Right. It was just, and there were rumors about runs on supermarket. Like you go to the supermarket and there was, you know, the shelves were empty. Um, and I actually got in the car at like 12, 30, you know, 12.30 our time, um, went to a gun shop around the corner, right? <laughs> Jeez. To get some ammo. Yeah. Right? Oh, good luck finding it. <laughs> right. Rain, uh, went to uh, the supermarket, uh, tried to get a bunch of, I mean, it just, you felt yeah. this this um, anxiety. Yeah. among. And as you were interacting with people, you could see it on their faces, right? So you yeah. had the market imploding, you had this unknown pandemic, you had s- s- potential supply chain and i swear it was within a day or two of the market bottom from that yeah yep you know and that's how it always is it always feels like it's armageddon at the bottom um yep. you never want to buy when you know i wrote about this this weekend you know when when peloton is up here and you go if it would just come in 20% <laughs> i would just buy it hand over fist right yeah. or if if bitcoin would just come into you know if it would get down to 50,000 but we always think that well, here's how it's going to get there. It's going to just kind of lilt down and Mm-mm. take its time. And it's going to carve out a nice soft angle and then just slide into a, a support <laughs> zone. And then I'll just pick it up. as it like, it never does that. It's right. It's like this. Right. And yeah. yeah. Just and like then the we don't want to buy it. Uh,
0: show us. Yeah. Just like the textbooks, uh, you know, have it, that that's what we want to see. That that's the scenario right. we want to see. And yeah, it's really like that. Yeah. Um, Cool. So yeah, I mean, we had a, uh, so a handful of comments. So look at, we got uh, puff puff pass here. So we have, um, you know, we, we already talked about our cannabis, but apparently one of us are looking good. Maybe talking about you, not me. Um, we have another suggestion on sponsors, okay? Razors. I don't know. Maybe maybe I didn't shave enough, or uh, I yeah. shaved. I shaved. <laughs> I trim my your hair. I even put on cologne. So this is this is what your PR, you know. So so Brian's PR agent basically says like he needs to few more live <laughs> yeah. streams like right. this so yeah. he can Did clean you mean my wife up. <laughs> uh and then we have jr uh who left us a comment basically saying um you know it kind of feels the same way that we've been talking about on the crypto exchanges and he apparently had a pretty nice trade on his gbtc uh btc traded to 68k got out um yeah i mean nice trade crypto exchanges i think we beat them up enough today but um yeah it's a high reward high risk for sure out there in that space So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess as we sort of get close to uh, winding down here, I think the things that are on my mind, um, I mean, in terms of this current market, I, I mean, you know, most of what Brian said, I mean, the bounce here, you know, as, as you know, if we can continue this bounce, you know, what is it, what does it look like? How high can we get? What does the commitment look like? I guess um, I mean, we are seeing let's so let's take a look at ARC. Um, so yeah, ARC still looks pretty horrible, right? It's up seven and a half percent, and you would not know it by that uh, you know, by this overall trend. So um a lot you know, of the,
1: this is this is a relief rally so far. Yeah, That's what this exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah, this, exactly. isn't, this isn't, this isn't yet the the start of a new up leg, it, you know, that's still to be determined. So, and you have to be careful that you just don't try to chase something um, blindly here because it can turn, you know, on a dime. That's right. So are you, do you pay attention to, are you trying to dissect, uh,
0: what the Fed is doing at all here? Like, are you are you are you staring at Powell and saying, well, if they take it down to two rate hikes, maybe things are okay? Like, does that matter to you at all? Or
1: no, it do- I mean, it doesn't matter at all. I, yeah. Like, I'm I'm not smart enough to figure out. Uh, like, the problem with fundamental uh, data, I'll, I'll use earnings for an example. First of all, you have to figure out, well, are they going to beat earnings? Or are they not going to beat earnings? Right, and yeah. then if they beat earnings. Then you have to figure out what's the reaction going to be. Is it right. built in already to a beat? Is it not? So there's there's like, it's like that, uh, you know, I'm not a Star Trek fan, but it's like that four dimension chess thing that they do. And there's no way to know if you're right or wrong. I'd rather pay attention to the technicals, right? Because the technicals are objective and they'll tell me what exactly price is doing and what volume is doing. Like, I don't have to guess how investors are going to react to Apple's earnings. I saw what the price did. Right, so I don't know what the Fed's going to do, nor do I even know what uh, what would happen if they did do it. Like that's, that's yeah. my that's my you know ninth grade economics class. Like I I threw those books in the trash the minute I graduated you know from <laughs> middle school. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean it's, fun, it's fun theoretically. I mean like you can have these discussions. I, there's nothing wrong with having discussion, but, but trying to marry them to any sort of actionable trade that's not me. I mean I'm sure there's people that can do it, but not
0: me. Yeah, it's it it sort of reminds me of almost like what you said about um and again back to back to kind of the the, the pot stock trade and and you know you you sort of mentioned how well, you know, if if a a, a potential narrative again, this is all just us kind of uh riffing, but like one of the the possible scenarios or bullish cases for pot was essentially, you know, Biden comes in and and you know everything's legalized and or you know much quicker speed and, and, you know, off to the races. And, and if that was a narrative that the market really had a hand in, uh, you have just a lot and, and, and maybe that's exactly it. You had a lot of people playing for that and they're just slowly being bled out here as no, you know, it's been gridlock, no traction, or just no attention has been spent on that. Now, again, I don't know that that is the, the, the leading narrative, but I think what Brian is kind of saying there is like, it's tough to know what the market's pricing in. And then obviously you got to know what the market's pricing in. you got to know what the news is going to be. And then if you knew both of those, you have a shot at kind of knowing what direction maybe price would go, but that's super hard to know ahead
1: of time. It's, har- it's hard to know. And, and as my friend, Brian Shannon says, you know, only price pays. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. I mean, once again, it's great to have, you know, we're going to have a, uh, we're, we're having our SoCal um, stock twits meetup out here, I think in March, and we're going to go to a brewery and everybody's going to talk about stocks, and we're going to talk about our worst trade and our best trade, and and what we think is going to happen. And, and that's great, and that's fun, and that's part of the 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 world of trading and investing. But you got to keep that separate from your PL and what's happening yeah. on your your screens today or tomorrow, mm-hmm. the next day. And mm-hmm. and what, once again, it's like you know, it's like what J, JC was saying about people figured out they have different timeframes If people figured out that they're in are trading using their, their fundamental brain. They'd go, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Let me get that out of here. Right. Um, you know, we can have those discussions. We can theorize them. But when I get back to my trading, it's That's just right. gotta be what price is telling me.
0: That's right. Yep. that's very
1: smart. Easier um, said than done. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: 100%. Um, 100%. So, all right, we've got one uh, question coming in here on um, looking at some tickers. Can we get that question up? And then we're going to probably wrap with this. So we've got a couple of tickers to go through. Let's. Uh, I'll pull them up on my chart. Um, EEM uh, is the first one here. And I mean, I guess I'll give my thoughts and then I'll pass it to Brian. I mean, so we've I'm, I'm looking at a weekly chart here. So this is the emerging markets, MSCI uh, ETF. Yep. So, um, you know, it looks like it peaked at the beginning of uh, of 2021. And it's just been kind of consolidating downward here for the past year. Uh so it's it's 18% correction. I mean it sort of looks a little orderly here. Uh when I look on a weekly time frame, again time frame matters. So uh for me it's just uh it's a wait and see type of thing and um I would just be if I'm a technician technician just looking at this again uh drawing with a crayon here, you can refine this as you see fit, but you know, looking for some breakout, looking for a momentum move. Um and then the only other thing I would add is king dollar has been very strong. That tends to put weight on emerging markets, but um, you know, uh,
1: maybe maybe you need to see that reverse. Brian, you got any thoughts on EEM? So I haven't uh, I haven't looked at EEM for months. And when I pull it up, here's exactly what um, what I saw. Yep. Oh, I think uh, uh, Oh, I'll I'll put you in you right. You need to stop yeah. Yep. There you go. Right. It was already pre pre drawn. Right. As yep, soon as I pulled it up, it up So so now that's a da- it's a daily chart. Right. Yeah. Um, but exactly what you said and so basically we're just looking like hey is there going to be a breakout for this big channel if not i i don't you know i don't really care if i was trading that right yep. um fxi you know i mean you got this series of you know you've got this you, know, you have this downtrend here you have a another downtrend here you could theoretically even say there's maybe been a another downtrend here right i mean it just nothing there that I'd be interested in. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, let's see, we got maybe chasing wheels. Let's take a quick uh, tour on that. And then we're going to wind down here folks. Cause uh, we got to head on out, but pins P I N S. Um, so Pinterest. Yeah. I mean, my thoughts, Oh, sorry. I got the chart up. Let me add it. Uh, Pinterest here. I mean, this has been a, a very, 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 very just painful downtrend. Um, You know, maybe if you're, you know, you're looking at this gap fill, you're starting to see some life here, but again, it's, it's, you're not getting a trend change yet. So for me, I don't know, from a technical side, there's nothing here. If you're a value trader, if you're looking at the valuation and that makes sense to you, then, you know, uh, buying blood makes sense. Um, But just depends really.
1: Uh, Pins, what about you, Brian? I think there's a danger on charts like this and, and a lot of growth charts. And the danger is that we look back at the highs uh, in 2021, and we think that, oh, there was, that was a realistic valuation, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. that we don't understand that that was, and once again, you know, I'm, I'm putting a fundamental hat on here, so take it for what it's worth. But we don't understand that a lot of these prices were just massive distortions based upon mm-hmm. the fact that we were in a unknown world, right? A world that yep. we've never been in before. Uh, we had the the Fed and the government just throwing money out there, right? So it's what, $6 trillion. Um, we had people that were uh, nothing to do but buy stocks. And so I think the problem is we're saying, well, this stock is here and it was up here. So, I mean, naturally, it's got to come back. Like, no, this might have been an alternate reality up here that we'll mm-hmm. never see again. I, I I put something out like this like two weeks ago. People have been trading fuel cell a lot in the last uh, year or so. And a lot of people I talked to thought, oh, fuel cell, this this new company, and you know they're the EV space. Fuel cell has been around since the mid '90s. I traded it like in the dot com boom, and it it like it went up like 20x from '99 to 2000, and then it spent the next 20 years, 20 years, Correct. losing 99% of its value right? Uh, That's terrifying. Uh, Along with a couple of reverse splits. So look, I'm not saying that's going to happen to pins. I'm not saying that's going to happen to growth stocks, but the idea that they'll just automatically revert and money will come back in and take them up there. That's not a fait accompli. It may not happen.
0: Yeah. 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 I love that. That's a, that's a great way to sort of maybe part here is just, you know, the, the valuations that we saw, you know, might have not been the ones we should be anchoring on, right? Those highs that we just saw in some of these growth stocks, maybe it takes us time before we get back there again. I don't know. I don't think Brian's saying, you know, that's that's absolutely the case. But our perception could have been warped here over the past year. And we might have to essentially reprice. That's certainly what the market's doing. So it's also
1: another dynamic that a lot of stocks, uh, especially ones that have gone public in the last couple of years, you know, back in the day when I started trading, when a stock went IPO, that was the beginning of its hockey stick growth, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm. you see Microsoft when it went public. Um, a lot of stocks now or in the last five or 10 years have come public already at really elevated uh, levels because there's been so much private money, so much VC money that you know they've squeezed all the value out of them. So they go public, they get a little bit of a bump, and then they spend a long time – Doing this right, so there's also that dynamic. Um, Never underestimate the 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 financial mechanics that can drive a stock. Look at the Spacs, right? All the Spacs Uh that were going to the moon, right? And now they're dead money. They're just and they're not necessarily going to go away, but they're just going to go like this forever, or at least for a long time.
0: Yeah. Yep. Great points. Awesome. Well, this has been fun. Thanks everyone uh, for tuning in. We've got a lot of questions here coming in at the end, but we have to wrap it up. So, um, part as two, always, man. we'll
1: have to do it some other time, right? Part two. Yeah. I
0: would love to get yeah. you back, Brian. Yeah. Uh, I always love hanging out. Thanks for taking the time today. And, uh, Brian Lund on Twitter, BC Lund, check out the Lund loop. Fantastic writing. Brian's been writing forever. Uh, very witty, very, um, lighthearted. It's easy to read and, um, you know, really tells just a good story, humanizes sort of the, uh, the mechanical trading side of this. So I love your writing, Brian. And thanks again for being on. Uh, we'll put all those links in the show notes. If you want to check out Brian, learn more, uh, all of this will be archived. So I think that's it. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks Brian for, uh, doing this.
1: Thanks for having me. appreciate it.
0: Awesome. All right. Adios, everybody. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Smarter Trading. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For all of the show notes, links, and call-outs, head on over to thetraderisk.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Smarter Trading is hosted by me, Evan Medeiros, and produced by Ashton Alexander. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you in the next episode.